Welcome again to Three Speech, the entertainment podcast that also follows the rule of three. It's two friends, three topics, and unlimited pop culture. I'm your host, Jamie. And I'm your host, Alyn. And on today's Big Three, we will be doing the Netflix um, space thriller in French, Oxygen. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Or shall I say, we... (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly the uh, uh nintendo switch camera sim new pokemon snap and the ultraviolet uh, ultraviolent amazon prime superhero series invincible as a reminder for our show as always um we are not professional we are the opposite of professional and proud of it and so we are likely to make some mistakes and also that there will be spoilers, so um, please be very cautious of that. So, how you doing, Olin? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing, doing surprisingly okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the best you can do now, yeah. you know, yeah, surprisingly agree. okay. Mm-hmm. Shockingly fine. Shockingly okay. <laughs> Considering, right? Um, well, today we've got an interesting one. Um, lots of variety here, I think. This is this is big variety going on with our big three. Normally we feel like we have a genre, but this is like sci-fi superhero and kids video game. So we're like kind of all over the map. So this one should be good. You cannot um, categorize us. We do not fit into one category. I like we're, that. We're, we're complex people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Let's do yeah. that. So um, here we are sitting at episode eight, and um, I did want to bring up really quickly that we are planning when we hit episode 10 to do a very special episode. So everybody, we won't tell you what it is yet, but maybe like every 10 episodes we can do something a bit different, and we've got a plan going for episode 10. So, you know, stay tuned. Um, But today, let's start with our little three. Um, the first little three is going to be all you, and you're going to have to talk about it in a very interesting way because of my religion of not watching certain trailers, specifically Marvel trailers. And the Eternals trailer came out, and it was a thing, and I didn't watch it, but I know that you (laughs) did. (laughs) So, I I did watch it. Um, I am... And I did talk to I talked to your your husband about it. When did this happen? Well, we were texting, um, and I said that it really didn't reveal much because I know that you and your husband both practice this religion. I'm respectful of that. Thank you. But but if he had watched it, he probably would have picked up on a million things that I was just like, okay. Well, here's the thing. I won't lie. Both of us, we know nothing about the Eternals. Oh, we, okay. We know very, very little. And um, neither of us has read any of these comics. So we are kind of in the dark on this one. We don't have any insider info. Um, I, I guess, like, just from what I do know is I'm pretty sure that the Eternals had something to do with the Terrigen Mist. But you know what? I This could be a correction next week. It's just 
this is what I feel like I've gleaned out of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then the main thing is, I feel like the Eternals are kind of supposed to be godlike figures. And I guess one of the big questions I have is, if they're so powerful, where have they been all this time when Thanos was, like, raging and all this stuff? Like, is there going to be an explanation for why we have Eternals now and not when everything was going to pot, if you know what I mean. So, right. you know, the end of the world. Type yeah, exactly. Stuff. Nothing, nothing big. Um, so, yeah. D- does it address any of that from what you saw? or uh, It does, but in a general sort of voiceover type way. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I mean, there's really, it, it, there's really not a lot of dialogue in the, you know, the teaser trailer. Mm-hmm. There are, and it, you do forget how big this cast is. Oh, the ensemble cast is unbelievable here. It's huge. I mean, you have you have Angelina Jolie, uh, Salma Hayek. You have, uh, I call him Jon Snow. He'll always be Jon Snow to oh, me. Yeah, that actually works better for me. Wait, is that? I know his is name's that Kit. Kit. It's Harrington. Kit. Harrington. I was going to say Worthington. I don't know why. But yeah, it's Kit Harrington. Is um, the other guy also in this? The yes. The one that killed at the Red Wedding there? Yes, he's in it. Richard Richard Madden. Mm. Um, and from the amount of screen time that he gets, it looks like it's almost like a flip of Game of Thrones where Richard Madden may be more of a focus mm-hmm. um, than Jon Snow. You also got a chance to see, um, what is his name? I always forget his name, um, but he's the one who got all bulked up to oh. to do it. He's like a, a comedian. Um, yeah, wow. you're you're relying on the wrong human. I know, so, <laughs> but he's in it. There's also, um, you know, there's just uh, Gemma Chan is in right, it, right, and, right. and it's weird because she was in Captain Marvel, but it doesn't look like it's the same character. Who was she in Captain Marvel? She oh, was, was she one. The- one of the bad guys? The yes. Sniper? Yeah. She was with that whole Jude Law scene. And, you know, I know her also from Crazy Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. So, and it, it looks like she's going to have a sort of central role. That's interesting because Marvel doesn't usually allow people to play more than one character. So that's what I thought, too, because I was like, wait a second, what's she in? And it's like, yes, yeah, she was, but a completely different character. Maybe because she had so much makeup on, I don't know. Yeah, that could be the thing because unless you knew that was Gemma Chan, you wouldn't really be. Yeah, you wouldn't recognize her and be right. like, "Oh, that's that girl from Captain Marvel." Where's yeah, the Captain Marvel? Like, like, who no, had would... maybe like two lines? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I think you know, I think it's for people who have, like you and I, who've seen it a couple of times. Yeah, where and we... actually watch the credits and we're like, yeah. look at these names. Look at the yeah, these are great names, and that's so that's the thing that and I have a little bit of a problem with 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 this, and this is just me venting. You can agree, disagree. I think the magic of the first few phases of the MCU is that with the exception of, of Robert Downey Jr., uh, Scarlett Johansson, and even Mark Ruffalo, he was an in, in indie darling and was also in the modern classic 13 going on 30. Most of the people were unknowns to us. So you, you want more unknowns rather than, yeah. Like, uh, okay. I feel like, I feel like it detracts a little bit where you're like, that's Angelina Jolie. Yeah, I see what you mean. I mean, I, I get it. I get it. You you know, you need to have people 
who are stars draw, drawing crowds in, but Marvel's already got such a built-in fan base that you really need to have all of these people who are, you know, Oscar winners, Emmy nominees, you know, it's just something you could cast. You They could cast you or I. Yeah, why it. don't they? Yeah, exactly. Let's, it, let's do it, that. And people would show up mm-hmm. because you know you're going to get a well-done movie. I mean, at this rate, it's going to be a three-hour movie with the entire if the entirety of the cast is featured. Now, right. I don't know if there's going to be spinoffs like what happened with you know the Avengers where there were all these background and origin stories and having them come together. But yeah, I guess the, the magic of it is, you know, did we know Chris Hemsworth? No. Chris Evans. From Star he, Trek. I knew him right, from Star Trek. Right. Like, but he wasn't, a, like, these movies made them stars. And it's been fun right. to kind of go along for that journey with them. With this, it's like, okay, how, how much collectively are all of these people worth when you combine them? Yeah, it's got to be a super expensive movie. So, I mean... Maybe that's kind of the, maybe that's what's happening just for this one because the Eternals are supposed to be sort of godlike, so they're picking all these big name godlike actors to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's my, I mean that's my only real issue that I had with it is mm-hmm. it was just you know there are so many people that Marvel could sort of ordain and be like, here you are, here is your golden ticket to stardom. Right. We're we're here. It's like all of these people have have been around for a long time. You could, you know, I think even someone who's really not into movies in Hollywood could pick out Salma Hayek in a lineup. Right. Um, so I mean, that's that's the only thing. But you know, once again, it looks like it's well made. Um, this is your Chloe Zhao, um, lady. Yes, I'm. Yeah. I'm so excited, and I guess like. The sad thing was, um, not the sad thing, but I was reading now when the Eternals was going to come out, you know, last year, Chloe Zhao wasn't this award winning director. And now they're having to go back and put from Oscar winning director, (laughs) Chloe Zhao. (laughs) Oh, Um, what a problem to have. Yeah. I mean, because and then on the other hand, you think of that and it's it's as much as you get upset for Marvel at marvel for casting all of these actors it's like they took a chance on a director because she did this before nomadland i'm guessing or if she didn't they were you know she only had i think marvel don't quote me on this but i want to say i read somewhere that marvel saw nomadland and then hired her but it was before nomad nomadland was this big oscar worthy thing but i want to say they saw it and they were like this one this this lady go get her yeah, I mean that's that's really really impressive. Mhm. Yeah. So. Well, but I'm okay. yeah, I'm excited. Well, you did I, an admirable job. I still know nothing about it. So I, nice I didn't. Yeah, I didn't want to ruin it for you. And when I, you know, I, when I saw it on our list of things to talk about, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about it because it, it it's a huge movie and a huge teaser trailer that came out. But I was trying to formulate how to talk about this without you know ruining Jamie. My streak. My yes. streak. Yes. Um. All right. So let's talk about one that we both saw. Uh, number two on the little three, which is a weird movie called Gunpowder Milkshake. There's a trailer that came out for this. Um. Do you have the uh the names on this one? Because if not, I can grab them. Well, uh, I know it has, and we're, I guess we're on a Game of Thrones kick because it has yeah. uh Cersei Lannister, 
Lena yes. Headley uh-huh. in it. It also um, has Angela Bassett in it, who can basically do no wrong to mm-hmm. me. Um, and it also has Karen Gillen. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, but she has been in Guardians of the Galaxy. She's Nebula. She plays right. Nebula. I love her from Jumanji. Yes. <laughs> I, lo- I like those movies way more than, than I probably <laughs> should. I just so enjoy them. <laughs> so, I mean, and it also has um, Carla Gugino in it, uh, Michelle Yeoh. So Wait, this is- I know that name, Carla well, uh, give me, she give me has a- been in so many, many, many things. She was in Watchmen, the movie Watchmen. Sorry, no, television. Is it a television show? Was she the main lady? No. No, gotta, she was in. look this one up. Yeah, she was in, she played Sally Jupiter in 2009. She was also in Gerald's Game. Uh, I didn't know if you watched that on Netflix. Uh, I'm familiar with it, but I actually read that oh, book. Oh, you know where you know where you're gonna remember from? She was in the the Haunting of Bly Manor, the Haunting of Hill House. Oh, she's the, she was the mom in Haunting of Hill House. Yep, there you have it. That's yeah. where I it from. Yep. I okay. mean, she has been around. Like, she was in a movie that my sister and I love, um, and it's called Troop Beverly Hills, and it was like in in the like mid mid to late 80s and it had like tory spelling in it oh, as right. a kid carlo Gu- yeah carlo gugino was in it as a kid so i mean she's just she's like one of those people who is just around she'll pop up on you know random television shows i'm sure she's been on law and order because everyone in the world has but yeah Either and, Law and Order or SVU. That's how, like, everyone starts their career. It's pretty funny. And, I mean, she's in a lot of Robert Rodriguez movies, too. Like, she was in the Spy Kids franchise, which I know you're not, you know. Nope, not so much. But I didn't I catch trust it. you there. Yeah. Like, she was in Sin City. I mean, she's she's just been in so much. But So, we've got another good cast here um, for a movie, though, that I will admit feels like a female John Wick. It's a little bit, it feels like a little bit of a ripoff. I actually asked you when I watched yes. this trailer, is this actually set in the John Wick universe? Is this like a John Wick lady spinoff? And um, and as far as we can tell, that's actually not the case. It's its own thing, but it, it is, it, it's basically John Wick. I mean, it just, you know, take out the dog and you've got the assassin doing the mission inside some kind of a system that's run by other people that has a clear set of rules. And if you break the rules, you get cut off from the system and thus hunted by the other assassins. I mean, am I not summing it up correctly? I mean, it just sounds like John Wick, right? Right. And it's, you know, Karen Gillan uh, plays what appears to be, you know, one of the premier assassins within this organization. Something goes wrong, yada, yada, yada. And she's a target, which causes her to team up with her estranged mother who's Cersei Lannister right (laughs) and that's it it's a lot of I mean a lot of girl power Mm -hmm. in this movie a lot of violence which I you know looks good but I had to look it up when you said to me is this in the John Wick universe I was like you know what it feels like it could be and then when I looked it up there was no connection 
Right. But I definitely get those vibes from it. So I think it looks fun. I definitely want to see it, but I am a little bit disappointed that it just seems to be so clearly connected. Like it just, it feels like a, a little, a little bit of a ripoff. I'm not going to lie. It just, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing. I kind of want them to do their own thing. Um, and I'm going to, oh, I'm going to screw this up really hardcore, but there was another movie that came out. This was a few years back and um, I actually told you to go see it, you and Chris, and it had a lady star. Oh, kill me. Was it Charlize Theron? Um, oh, Atomic Blonde? That's the one. That was awesome. And 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 part of me is thinking to myself, like, rather than Gunpowder Milkshake, can I just have another Atomic Blonde movie? Can we go into that universe again and do that one, do a sequel to that one? Because I think I thought that there was supposed to be a sequel to that so one. So did I. So did I. So, like, that was my first thought when I saw this was this looks a little bit like a John Wick ripoff. I'm still going to see it. It looks fun. I'm going to reserve my disappointment, you know, and try to give it, you know, some some free will to move. But at the same time, it does kind of make me miss Atomic Blonde. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that was such a good movie. Because I remember back in the day. It came when, out of nowhere, too. It was, yeah, it really did. And, you know, when we used to, you know, Chris and I tend to like the same sort of movies. And on Sunday afternoons, that was our thing. We would go to the movies. And you knew that. So you were like, you need to go see Atomic Blonde. So I said to Chris, I'm like, let's go see this. Jamie gave it a good review. And, of course, we were both like, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't happen very often where like this movie comes out of nowhere and you enjoy it way more than you thought. Like, and I think the funny thing is the one that did that to me before Atomic Blonde was Mad Max Fury Road. I think you have a thing for Charlize Theron, which, you know, I applaud you for that. Maybe I do. You know, she's very godlike. I wouldn't be alone if I did have a thing. No, no. Mm. I mean... She's in the Fast and the new Fast and Furious Nine, and I'm like, why? Oh no! I no, don't know no. why, but she is, and but so, and I can proudly say I've never seen any of the Fast and Furious movies. I cannot proudly say that, but <sighs> I I can proudly say that I I I don't like them. I haven't enjoyed any of them. They just I don't know. I feel like I'm not the audience for those movies. Do you know what I mean? No. So I don't know. I mean, mean, whatever. I'm not going to gatekeep other people's enjoyment because they seem to be really popular, but they're just certainly not for me. What's that thing that people are saying? Don't yuck my yum. Like, you know, just because you don't (laughs) like it. Yeah. But um, so the the other thing that is probably going to cause us to watch Gunpowder Milkshake is it is coming out on Netflix. So. Yeah, so that makes it so easy. So, so easy to just be like, oh, yeah, let me watch that. So, I, you know, give us us till mid-July when it comes out, because it comes out July 14th. So I'm sure we will watch it and review it, and we'll tell you if it's – we'll use the Atomic Blonde barometer. Sure. Is it it as good? Maybe we have to watch Atomic – maybe we watch Atomic Blonde and compare and contrast. Yeah, I'd watch that again. I really – I would watch it again, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, cool. All right. And our third little three is a weird one. Um, just have to bring this up that Amazon has bought MGM Studios for $45 billion. And um, this is a this is a strange thing because 
you know, Amazon, this is obviously not the first time Amazon has bought something. Um, they, they buy a very large diversity of things. They bought Whole Foods, obviously, for about $14 billion. They bought Ring. So now um, all Amazon Ring doorbell things are, you know, hooked up to the Amazon network. They bought Twitch. That was for like $1 billion. Um, so they, they buy all kinds of different things. And this is just the next thing that they've bought. Um, it's worth noting, you know, a couple of things about this. Uh, one... They almost certainly bought MGM to get the IP. It's mm-hmm. sort of like buying a drug company to get the patent. You know, you're not buying MGM because you want the studio to make stuff for you. I mean, maybe they do, but I think they're buying MGM because they have like 4,000 movies, you know, and 17,000 TV shows already in their library. And, and thus, by acquiring MGM, Amazon acquires all that back um, IP, including like, I think James Bond, there's a, there's a few big properties that MGM owns like Fargo, Shark Tank, um, The Handmaid's Tale, like there's a bunch of them. So, you know, um, this is, it's not surprising, but it is concerning because, you know, we can say the same thing with Disney that when one or two companies only own all of the entertainment that exists, in the world, um, you end up with this problem of diversity. You know, mm-hmm. you 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 know, it's just like how if there are only two or three airlines in existence, you can't really price shop because they're all gonna they're all gonna charge as much as they can because there's not enough competition to make it otherwise. You get that in entertainment too. You know where you know, Amazon could, in theory, A, charge more for Prime because now they've got all of this other stuff that they can, you know, kind of hold on to and, and disseminate the way they the way they want and, and to withhold from you unless you pay a certain amount of money. And, you know, Disney can do the same thing. And we're getting to this antitrust idea, you know, Amazon's already being probed as a with antitrust issues here for all of the stuff that they own and how big they are. And this just certainly makes them so much bigger. So um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this? I, I don't like when things, I don't like when big companies buy out other big companies and then just become mega corps. I don't, I don't like that. It makes me nervous. And I don't know if you feel the same way or if you have anything to make me feel better about it. No, I mean, Talking about the the antitrust aspects of it, I mean, it's very, very difficult or would be difficult for the government to stop it. I I don't think there's anyone that's really excited about this. I mean, it's obvious what Amazon's trying to do. You're right that it's all about the intellectual property. Let's face it, like Netflix is kicking you know, Amazon's butt. And we've talked about this before on other podcasts. Like if they took away Amazon Prime, we wouldn't be that sad about it. Mm, I'd miss the expanse and that's pretty much it. Right. And it wouldn't be enough for you. Maybe it would be enough for you to get it for like a month so you could watch all of the, the episodes. But I think they're trying to position themselves as one of the premier streaming services. And we're going to be talking a little later about one of their their new series i think they're really kicking up the notch on that and they don't really do a lot of movies there are a handful of of movies that are amazon uh created amazon based um most recently you have 
uh, One Night in Miami that was nominated for an Oscar that is from Amazon, Amazon Studios. Studio. Yeah. Yes. And and I guess MGM could make more movies for them if they're trying to do that. But then listening to you talk makes me nervous that what if they tried to take the Amazon Prime movies portion of Amazon Prime and sell it separately? Do you know what I mean? Like, right, right. You know, rather than bundling it with an Amazon Prime subscription, what if they tried to turn it into Amazon Flicks and, you know, now you're paying $60, $80 a year, whatever it is for Prime, and then an additional $10 a month for Amazon Flicks as well if they try to spin it off as its own separate thing. That would be awful. It, and especially where MGM owns the rights to so many classic films. I mean, obviously we talk about James Bond and, um, you know, they're always churning out James Bond movies every couple of years and they're so profitable. That's why they do it. But, you know, MGM, I'm, I'm actually going through um, the American Film Institute and their top 100 films you need to stream before you die. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of MGM pictures on it i mean i'm just like i'm glancing at the list right now they have they own all the rocky movies so not like not that i'm a huge rocky fan but that's a very successful franchise and they still have it going with creed with Mm -hmm. michael b jordan um you have like thelma and louise silence of the lambs moonstruck basic instinct Mm -hmm. legally blonde which has another movie that that's in production 12 angry men uh, I mean, there are just so many properties that it owns. And if that is the only place, if Netflix, not Netflix, whoops, if Amazon Films is the only place where you can watch James Bond movies, people are going to subscribe to it if there's no other option. Right. It also gives them the opportunity to like revive some of these old IPs and make mm-hmm. like a new a new 12 angry men or whatever, like you, you can make a new version or a sequel or something like that. They can do whatever they want with these properties. So yeah, it's, it's concerning. And you know, because that kind of thing, like you said, there's nobody in the world who's really excited about this except for Amazon. You know, right. this is, this is not something that helps people when this kind of thing happened. And in fact, it's usually the opposite. Usually we end up paying more when this kind of stuff goes down. So, you know, it's, it's definitely concerning to see what they're going to do with it. And, um, that's pretty much all I have right now, but it's just worth mentioning to keep your eye on it. And if all the prime prices go up or if you start to notice the the talks of Amazon Prime Video being spun off into its own separate streaming service, this is probably why. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that being said, um, I have a bonus, little three. Oh, yes. Um, it's just one correction slash clarification, and then we'll move on to the big three. But um, I have a friend who I mentioned on last week's podcast named Norvell who's been streaming all of our stuff, and he had one correction clarification for us based on something we said a while back. And the thing that we said a while back was that we were sort of mad at HBO for how Game of Thrones ended and that HBO needed to sort of redeem themselves to us a little bit because of what went down with Game of Thrones. And Norvell said, you can certainly blame HBO for what happened. They should have stepped up and, you know, sort put their foot down about it but at the same time it's worth noting and this is the clarification that hbo did want 
a full or even multiple full seasons to finish off Game of Thrones properly. And it was D&D who said, um, no, we can wrap this up in eight episodes or whatever it was. And we can we can get this out. No problem, because they were so gung ho to go and, and do Star Wars at the time. Um, and that HBO kind of had they had built up some trust with HBO. And so HBO kind of said, OK, you know, you can do your thing. And then obviously it all fell flat would be the biggest understatement ever. But <laughs> that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, exactly. Um it, it fell into a toilet is basically <laughs> better. But, you know, um, but he wanted to do the clarification that HBO did indeed try to offer them as many episodes and as many seasons as they wanted in order to properly end that show. And it was D&D who said, um, no, we're going to do it real fast because we're out of here to go do Star Wars. And then, of course, they lost that because Game of Thrones was such a massive flop. So um, I like that as a clarification because, you know, I, I kind of agree that, yes, HBO could have stepped up and said, you're going to do it this quick. No, I don't think so. Let's you know, they could have come in and said that. But at the same time, they kind of wanted these guys to do the thing they wanted to do. They had built up some trust based on the the first couple of seasons that went really well and, uh, you know, thought maybe they could handle it. And no. So not entirely HBO's fault is the short story. But HBO is not blameless. We'll get to that later. So, <laughs> yeah, they're they're blameful in other ways. So let's move on to the big three. And we've got some different things going on here today. You want to start with oxygen? Yes. So I before we like really get into oxygen, I wanted to ask you, how did you watch oxygen? Because it is a French film. I always you- watch them in the original language because uh, subtitles don't bother me and I actually can kind of get into this weird zone when I'm watching subtitled things where I actually don't feel like I, I'm not reading anymore I'm actually hearing it in English it's a strange zone that I can get myself oh, into wow. yeah so I'll actually sometimes forget that a movie or a show is not in English um, because I can something something about just having had subtitles on for so long I always have them on even when I don't need them like even in when something's in English I always have them on due to sound discrepancy. I do too. Yeah, so I I actually would I forgot about halfway through that this movie was in French because there's not a lot of people in it and there's not a lot of voices and I just started hearing it in English and it, it didn't bother me at all. So um, I might be a little bit odd in that re- in that regard. No, I I also chose to watch it in French with subtitles. There was an English option and I had it on for like two seconds and I'm like ah I don't like the way they've dubbed this I have a real issue when people's mouths are moving in different formations of what the words should sound like and I knew that I would be focusing on that instead of the the plot line so I was just wondering I you know when I went in um I was like "Ah, I'm doing it I'm doing it with French but also oxygen came out this year um, Netflix acquired the rights. Obviously, it was originally I don't speak French, so the the <laughs> the French word for oxygen, which looks like our word for oxygen, but it has another e at the end. Like yeah, and oh. it's probably pronounced entirely different. But that's why I don't even want to try to yeah, do it. No. <laughs> um, but basically, you open on this woman, and she's cha- uh, trapped in this cryogenic pod. She doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know how she's she got there. The only thing she knows is that she's running out of oxygen. She has about 34% oxygen left 
And her only way to figure out what is going on is by using this interface called Milo. Yeah, it's like an AI computer that interfaces with her pod. Can I make a suggestion that we do not give away too many of the spoilers? Oh, no. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the... The spoilers in this are actually really well done. I, I, the, I think when we were talking about this movie, you said, oh, I thought this was going to be a fa- fairly standard movie. And then there was a few reveals towards the end right. that actually made it not standard and um and and I think they were pretty well done and I kind of want to keep all of those a little bit on the down low even the one about where she is no I I agree so I I looked up some other things about the film and I know one of the reasons you liked it is because it's the director who did crawl Alexander Aja get out (laughs) yeah he he directed crawl there's been other uh movies that he's directed my giant gator movie yes and the one that the one that i saw uh, of his that was truly disturbing was high tension it came out like 15 years ago i'm not familiar go ahead oh it is the scariest horror movie that you would ever want to watch because it's based on true story a true story i believe in australia but like these two women, Australia is scary. They have yeah. spiders and rat plagues. Yeah. And the snakes, like what? Nine of the 10 most dangerous snakes in the world are in Australia. It's but no, it, thanks. Yeah. So these these two women encounter this, you know, obviously creepy guy uh, on the road and the guy follows them back to the house and kills the, the those woman, the one of the girl's entire family. Yeah, no. No yeah, sense. no, it was very, it was, and it's another movie. It was in completely in French. So even 15 years ago, I thought I was awesome. Um, but when I saw so, that, I was like, oh. So this guy's got a good track record. And I think that this movie maintains his good track record. I mean, I enjoyed Crawl. It was a romp. It was a violent, bloody alligator romp, but it was fun. There was nothing wrong with Crawl. I would recommend you go see it if you want to watch a good horror movie. This one is really tense. And claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you really get that feeling of claustrophobia because because of the fact that she's in this this pod and it's like a medical pod and also a cryogenic pod. And we're not revealing too much by just revealing those things. But I want to be careful about what we reveal because like the right, more you that's reveal, like, the less cool the movie becomes. But like, right. And in the first five minutes of the movie, it's like this is a medical pod and mm-hmm. you're cryogenically sealed. Yep. Within and it. You, you figure that out pretty quick. But like the way she's hooked up in it is all of these needles and yes. she's hooked up like six or eight different ways. And it's just so uncomfortable and so tense. And, you know, she's she's trying to like interface with this A.I. And I think they do a really good job of. This AI is obviously very advanced and very smart, but it's still an AI. And so when she's asking it certain questions, it's not providing any more information than what she's asking. And so the answers to her issue are actually fairly obvious and there. But you can't just like a normal human, you would say to a normal human, what's going on? Why am I here? What's happening? And the human would be like, oh, this is why you're here. And this is what's happening. But the AI is like, you are currently located in medical pod 264, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And it's just giving her a very AI computer answer, which is technically an answer to her question, but not an answer to her needs. 
And so like three quarters of the movie is her trying to figure out what is the correct question to ask this AI, you know, to get the answer that she needs. And I think that that's actually really clever because when you're in this pod and you're claustrophobic and your air's running out and you think you're going to die. And at one point the pod tries to kill her, you know, like, you know, do you, do you want a sedative? (laughs) Do you want more sedatives? Like, you know, um, know, and, and, you know, to be in that kind of situation, your brain isn't asking the right questions. It's not thinking the right way. You know, it's just banging on the lid saying, let me out, let me out, let me out. And thinking someone did this to me, who did this to me, who trapped me in here? Why am I here? You know, all this stuff. And so, you know, she tries to basically call people to figure it out. And, you know, so she tries to call the police and say, you know, come find me. And that's a very tense conversation. And, and all of it is about this, this tense, emotional, I mean, the movie is like, it's not super long. It's like an hour. Yeah, it plays out in real time. So, you know, she has an hour and a half to live, which is announced by the AI. And that's how long the movie is. Exactly. That's how how long. An hour and a half of tension. And I had started it after dinner one night and I planned to watch like maybe the first half an hour, the first hour or whatever, and look for a good stopping. Po- there was no stopping point. No, there was no good stopping point. And I finished the whole thing in one sitting because I was like, what is happening? I need to know. And I think the the reason it worked for me, too, is you had uh, Melanie Laurent. I know I'm pronouncing her name improperly. It's probably like Lorraine. Laurent would Laurent? be right. Laurent. <laughs> I took Spanish. I can't speak that either. But, um, you know, she's not that well known in the United States. I mean, for me, she was uh, in the uh, Quentin Tarantino's Inglorious Bastards. And oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's really about it. She's she in, was in Six Underground. <laughs> oh, see? Okay. So. And the thing that I found most interesting, and this was in the IMDb notes, is that Anne Hathaway was originally attached, but she had to drop out. And I think that would have ruined the movie, to be quite honest. This girl was so good. That's what I mean. Like, I think you needed someone who's not as well known. Yeah. Because you're not distracted by this big name actor you're you're um you're just in you're just in it and you go back and forth as an audience member you go back and forth on everything was she did she do this to herself did someone do it to her is she going to live is she going to die is she going to live again no she's going to die again oh is she going to live again i don't know right you go back and forth and back and forth like every 3 or 4 minutes it's a real roller coaster and i think there's a lot of and you know in my determination of what was going to happen I was completely wrong um I had an idea of what I thought was going to happen I'm not going to go into it but there was a lot of uh lab rats involved so yeah there was a lot of like um I felt like maybe it was a human yeah that's what I thought like it was symbolism I'm like maybe this is the human form of a lab rat Mm -hmm. trying to escape a maze completely wrong on that count. Yeah, because you're not sure when you see these like flashbacks and images of the lab rats and the lab and the rats dying and different things. Mm-hmm. There's some really disturbing images. But there like, are. Yeah. Uh, the, the contortions of the rats. Uh, yeah. Some, yeah. So, I mean, that's probably the only thing that I'd be like, oh, just maybe look away when they flash. Yeah. Um, but you're not sure if these images are A, real, B, right. fake, C, symbolic, D, metaphors, 
or C or E, I don't know what letter I'm on, representatives, you're on e, you're on e. <laughs> representatives of her feelings, you know? So is she really a lab rat? Is she metaphorically a lab rat? Or does she just feel like a lab rat? Do you know right. what I mean? And you're just not sure which one it is. Um, and, and I think that that's really well done and very, very clever. And she also has no memory. So right. as she's, as she's trying to figure out what's going on, these flashes are her trying, like, she's trying to grasp onto these memories. Are they real memories? Are they fake memories? Are they metaphorical? Are they, they emotional? Like she's trying to grasp onto these memories, um, so that she can figure out, you know, who she is first and foremost. And she's like, she's like literally Googling herself and all, you know, yeah, she's Googling herself. She's searching social media for herself. And it's, we're trying to figure out as, as she is trying to figure it out. So we're getting these little breadcrumbs, if you will, and being like, well, maybe it's, it's that if she's this doing that, then, Oh, and we're getting the puzzle pieces and rearranging them and seeing how they try to fit together at the same time that she is. Yeah. And it's just, I think it's well done. It's just, it's not a movie for everyone. Um, you know, because it is, in French, and we do recommend the subtitles, so you got to be okay with subtitles. I mean, you could try the dub if you're okay with dubs. Um, it's also very claustrophobic, so mm-hmm. if you're not into that kind of a thing, this would be hard to watch. But as a sci-fi movie goes, I thought it was just a very solid, well-written, well-done, well-executed piece, and I would give it a thumb up. I would, I would also. I think it's very difficult to do a single location movie. And especially yeah. when you add the claustrophobic elements to it. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it's one of those gems that you find on Netflix. Like yep. sometimes like we've talked about it before, you watch a sci-fi movie and you're like, that was really bad. Yep. And you find something like this and it is so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. Really well done. So two thumbs up on oxygen. And don't try to remake it anybody oh, please, out there please don't it's good it's fine it's perfect Exa- the way it is just exactly. let it go exactly because i was concerned i will tell you i was a little concerned it was going to be like gravity um, and i didn't enjoy that as much as i enjoyed oxygen um, yeah oxygen was much that. better mm-hmm. as as far as solo female you know being trapped in places but you so, know what it had a kind of like indie gem vibe yeah, I, I wonder. Night Sky, you know, that like movie must be making money hand over fist. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it must have been so cheap to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. No, but cool. I get it. Yeah, it's got the, it's more Midnight Sky, um, good than oh god, what was that horrible movie we watched with Anthony Mackie and Jamie Dornan with the uh oh, the pills god. that sci-fi movie i know yeah. people are probably screaming at us right now it's like it's your, you just you've only done eight episodes <laughs> and you can't even remember the name of it but yeah definitely more right, we're putting it in we're putting it in the midnight sky bucket of synchronic of synchronic yeah so, syn- not, not good no not good synchronic but we're putting uh oxygen in the midnight sky bucket yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, watch this one. It was good. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Moving on to some Pokemons. <laughs> some Mons. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to review a Nintendo Switch game called New Pokemon Snap. The first thing I want to say is never put the word new in your title. For the love of God, why would you do that? Because I guess it was on Nintendo 64, but that was 20 years ago. 
And you know what? So many things get remade over and over and over again. They don't all call themselves new, right? Like, <laughs> you don't. And have- it's true. If you were to go buy this, if you put in Pokemon Snap, I don't even, they don't make Nintendo 64s anymore. Right. This is the only one you can get. Why? It, right. And, it, it's, it's not like you're going to be like, oh, I bought it for the wrong platform. <laughs> like, no. It's not going to happen. And like you give it a month, it's not new anymore. And now your title just seems dumb. So the first thing I want to say is I'm not a fan of this title. Please just call it Pokemon Snap or Pokemon Snap Switch or Pokemon Snap Rebirth or or I don't know, whatever. But, you know, the, ugh, I'm, I'm bothered by that in a weird way. But let's talk about the actual game, which is a photography simulator. Um, so, Alin, I know you don't play a lot of games. Um, how did you feel about this? You know, I liked playing it. It's, um, you know, the idea, as most Pokemon games are, is very simple and and straightforward in that you have to catalog some Pokemons on on different islands. Now, I didn't get very far in it, um, only because I I recently borrowed it from my brother-in-law. But I was having fun while I played it. Uh, Yeah. Similar. I'm not a hardcore Pokemon fan. I know that there are people who have, you know, since childhood loved it. There are people who are into Pokemon because of Pokemon Go. I'm one of those people that played Pokemon Go. I like collecting them. I like leveling them up. And it's a fun little game where you get to walk around and you're able to use your controllers in a 360 manner and literally just take pictures of Pokemon in the wild. Yeah. And they'll provide you like, so the first thing to know is you're on kind of a set path. You're in this little pod and the pod's kind of going on this set track and you're just taking pictures on along the track. So you're, you're meant to run these tracks many, many times. You're meant to do the same track over and over and over again. Right. Cause because, it moves fast. It moves, yeah, yeah. When you're on the track, it moves fast. Yeah, it's pretty fast. And it also, there's a ton of Pokemon. And the more pictures you take in any given track, the more Pokemon then appear later on that same track. They might also do different things. You might also be able to go back at night and take pictures along the same track at night. And then you get items like you can throw fruit at them or you can um, play music for them. And based on what Pokemon it is, whether they want fruit, whether they want music, they might perform different actions for the fruit or for the music. Then you take pictures of them eating fruit or dancing, and now you've got different pictures. And each Pokemon has a one through four star slot. So you can get four pictures of each individual Pokemon, a one star, a two star, a three star, and a four star. And you're you're kind of challenged to actually get all four of them, you know, to try and get one of each and the best one of each. And you can replace them so you can get a decent two star and then later on you can get a better two star and replace your original two star. And that's just the two star, not the one, three or the four. So you're encouraged to do this over and over and over to try and get not only a lot of different pictures, but also the best of the best. Um, So that's good and bad because it is repetitive mm-hmm. did you find it repetitive I don't know if you played enough to get to that point I haven't but I I know that I tend to and what what ends up happening with me and even playing Pokemon Go is I'll play something and I'll collect a lot of the same Pokemon and then when I'm not getting new Pokemon I get frustrated right with it and it's and I don't play anymore 
So for me, I think the main thing here is that I don't have a major problem with any one thing that this game did. It's well executed. It's fun. It's easily accessible for young children. It's cute. It's adorable. I mean, uh, if you are a Pokemon fan, seeing the Pokemon that you like out in the wild, dancing and swimming and collecting berries and whatever they're doing is all very cute and sweet and innocent. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with any of it. My one major issue is that there's not a lot to do in this game. For me, it's it's just it's literally just what I described. Running these tracks over and over again, throwing fruit, playing music, doing scans, doing different things, getting your pictures, and then bringing the pictures back. You get them graded basically by a professor. Right. You fill up your photo album, and then you have the option of keeping pictures. And this is where I kind of like am out because I'm not really interested in like, let me keep this cute picture of a Bidoof and put sunglasses on the Bidoof and then share this Bidoof picture with a Lynn. And then a Lynn's going to give it a medal because she likes it. Like I'm not into that social aspect of it. And that's a large part of the game. So that whole part doesn't interest me. So for me, I'm doing the main game of the taking pictures and the filling the album and it's all fine and it's all well and good. But it's a $60 game. And that's where I come to my major issue is I don't think there's enough content here for a $60 game. No, I can absolutely see that. Like, just just playing it, like you said, I can see how it would be repetitive. I'm sure that as I play it this week, I'll enjoy it because it's a fun little game when you get done work. And it's like, oh, there's a Pokemon. But that was my big thing, and that's why I borrowed it because yeah, it's it's, it's just a sixty dollars. Really yeah, yeah sixty dollars is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think personally, it's too much for the amount of content available. I think this would be the perfect game if it were sold for forty bucks, and if you could get it for forty dollars, I would be on here praising it left and right. Every grace that I could give it, I would give it because ultimately it's a well-crafted game that's fun and sweet and easy to play, easy to pick up, easy to put down, easy to come back to, easy to play over and over again. But when I get into like, you know, I probably played, I'm going to guess like maybe five or six hours of it, right? And five or six hours in, I'm like, I can already kind of see that this is this is it you know like this is this is the whole thing this is the whole ride and the whole ride doesn't feel worth $60 to me and maybe some of you will disagree because you're just huge Pokemon fans and I almost think like that's what Nintendo is banking on but like personally I just don't think it's worth that much money no I can see that it's almost I was thinking uh in a Disney type fashion like you have so many fast passes you can use yeah. And you use a fast pass on a ride and you're like, oh, why did I use that on that ride? I thought I was going to enjoy it way more. Maybe yeah. I should have waited. Yeah. And and that would be like my main thing that I would say to anyone out there thinking of getting Pokemon Snap. I refuse to say new Pokemon Snap. It's just Pokemon Snap. <laughs> um, is I would say wait for a sale. If you can get it yeah. at like 40 bucks, I think that that's probably a better price point. Um, I or just if you have a like- bunch of kids who each have separate Nintendo avatars. Oh, and they like, can share it. Yeah, they can share it and play yeah. it. Because I think it's, you know, it's something that you could put on the TV screen and it could entertain the children. Um, for sure, for sure. But yes, uh-huh. I mean, like I said, $60 is a lot for essentially 
something that I play on my phone for free, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, I would agree with you. It just felt like there, like, I, I don't know what I was expecting because I never played the original, but I was, for $60, I was definitely expecting a lot more than what's there. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with what's there. Everything that's there is great and works well and is fun and cute and good for kids and good for Pokemon fans. It just felt like what you would get in a $40 game as opposed to a $60 one. Mm-hmm. So you're paying, you're paying for the name, I think. You're I paying think that's for the, is. the Pokemon trademark and everything. Because, I mean, you could create something, and perhaps there already is a game, where you're just out in the wild taking pictures. Yeah, like you said, this feels like it could have been done in a very similar way on a phone and would have been, you know, fine. Like, it, it would have been a $10 phone game or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, right. Because so. you could integrate it into your reality, like Pokemon Go mm-hmm. is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like this game could have been done if there could be, like, a, a Safari version of this, and you could collect tigers and, you know, antelope. Or, like, a and different, things. like, yeah. not one, but a different skin, or, you know what I mean? Right, and you like would that, be yeah. paying, you would probably be paying $40 for that. Right. But because it's Pokemon, mm-hmm. you're going to pay 60 And maybe it's not even just the, the idea of the license, but the idea that Nintendo knows that people will pay for this license. You know, like they're... That's true. Because anytime a Super Mario Brothers game comes out, you yeah. rarely see it on sale. Right. Exactly. The only ones I've seen on sale, no disrespect, Luigi's games tend to be <laughs> on sale. <laughs> Sorry, Luigi. But yeah, I mean, you see like his haunted mansion and when it's on sale, it's like $10 off. It's still like, yeah, but love you, Luigi. Sorry. Yeah. But so I'm going to go with like thumbs sideways on this one, because as I said, it's a great game. It's fun. It's everything there is, is a good package. It's just to me, it's too pricey for what you're getting. So I would say, you know, buyer beware on this one a little bit. If you can wait for a sale, um, I would I would go that route. But it's worth picking up if you can get it on sale. No, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, it's it's a cute game. You see all your your fan favorites out there. You learn some new Pokemon um, for me that I, I hadn't seen in the Pokemon Go game. A lot of different flora and fauna. Yeah. Uh, but it, I'm not sure that's enough to you know, make the price $60. Yeah. And I mean, even like, I'm going to look this up right now. So I apologize if you hear me typing, but like, I know I was like last week or the week before I had said that I was looking forward to a few games that were going to be on um, Game Pass uh, that I was going to try as Slime Rancher and um, Solasta. Solasta. Yep. Yeah. And um, Slime Rancher was cute. And I, I'm I'm going to probably do a review for one or both of these games at some point. But I tried Solasta and I got so hooked. So, oh. so hooked. And like I have probably already put 10 hours into this game or more. And it's a $40 game. Mm. So, um, you know, I just feel like once you take that Pokemon licensing and the Nintendo's, you know, knowledge that people are going to pay extra for Pokemon out of the picture, you're left with a a 40 or $30 game. Like you said, if it was a safari photography game, it would no way it would be $60. It's because of 
the Pokemon. So. And because you can only get it on the Switch. Yeah. All right. So thumb sideways. Um. Okay. I agree. Else? I agree. No, okay. I think I think that's good. Okay, so let's move on to the last one, which is uh, um, Invincible. Now, this is an animated superhero series that's on Amazon Prime. And the basic setup is that you've got something kind of similar to Jupiter's Legacy, where you have a preset group of superheroes. And um, this preset, you know, group is the the guardians of the world. I think there's guardians of the globe. Is that what they're called? Yes, guardians of the globe. Okay. And some of this is a little bit cheesy and I think a little bit campy, probably on purpose. Um, it's got that animated campy feel to it a little bit. Um, and the leader of the guardians of the globe is, oh boy, Omni-Man? Omni-Man. Oh, voice, Omni-Man. Voice by jk simmons who yes. if you cannot recognize his name we are banishing you from this podcast i mean his voice as well yeah He's i mean get- yeah you've got a lot of big name people in this voicing um the one that i recognized was maximum Derek from the good place um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah he uh jason manzoukas has such a distinct voice Yep. That the minute he started talking, it's like, what is he doing? Yeah, you know, I'm like, hey, that's Derek from The Good Place. Oh, <laughs> that's from Derek. I don't know, this is just an inside joke. But um, I, yeah, he very, very easily. Um, also, Mark Hamill has a voice in this. Like, I mean, there's just so many, uh, so many people um, that have voices. But um, it is, the setup is that Omni-Man had a son. And uh, the son actually got to be kind of like um, mid before he started to display his powers so he he kind of got to be the point where i think omni man felt like his son was not going to have powers you know because he had a human mom mm-hmm. voiced by sandra O. Oh, and um and and the son's name is mark voiced by steven yoon i believe yes, yes. And, oscar oscar nominated yeah steven another yoon. another big name person so um, these are like your, your main characters. And then eventually Mark, the son develops his powers and starts to train with his dad. And that is the basic premise. And I will say sort of two things here. One, I was not very crazy about this show. I liked Jupiter's legacy better. And I don't know if it's because it was live action. And usually I'm pretty okay with animation. Sometimes ultra violent animation will turn me off and this is about as ultra-violent as you can go. And I had the same issue with the, the Castlevania series. Like, I, I couldn't finish that one either. Um, but I, I felt this one was okay. I can appreciate what they were doing. I'm not going to talk down on it because a lot of people really, really love it. And I can see why they, were lo- why they would love it. I will say that it was not 100% for me. It didn't keep my attention the way I thought it would. However... I can appreciate what it was doing and what it was trying to do. And I'm going to throw this one in your court because there are, again, are some pretty heavy spoilers and I don't know if you want to talk about them or not. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to try to tiptoe around the spoilers because I think that's the the foundation of the show almost. I mean, obviously if you, if you've watched it or if you know anything about the comics, you know exactly where the show is going. Um, The thing that I found in, in comparing it to Jupiter's legacy was number one, it was way faster. And there is a lot more action. Yes. It's, it picks up a lot and it, of course it doesn't, deal with 
the the heavy choices. Um, when you look back at Jupiter's legacy, the the son and daughter of um, Utopia, the Utopian, they're struggling with their roles as superhero, the children of superheroes. But Mark is more blasé about it right. and invincible. It feels more like a game. And he he's into it in a way that almost. Um... I don't want to say disturbs you, but is kind of a red flag, you know, like he, he's like, yeah, let's do it all in. Let's go. And, um, and he pays for that. Yes, he does. Too. He pays for that. Ways. Exactly. Like he pays for that cavalierness that yeah. he displays towards what's going on. And this one kind of has a lot of, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of side plots. There's a lot of characters. There's a lot of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get more information about some than you do of others. Um, from what I saw, they seem to handle the dearth of characters quite well. Um, and I think that this is mostly due to the animation aspect of it, because a lot of these characters are very easy to identify visually. So, you know, when you see a character like, for example, the demon, whose name is Damien Darkblood, which I thought was hilarious, (laughs) um, like you... Even if he's like a side character who pops up a little bit here and a little bit there, because he's so visually striking, you remember him immediately. So I think part of the the way that they're able to handle all of these characters is they make them all very visually different. And thus you remember them better because there's a lot of them. Right. And I think, um, you know, the, the individual who created this is Robert Kirkman, who also created The Walking Dead comic book and is is heavily involved in that television production so for anyone who's watched the walking dead it's a the voices are a veritable who's who of walking dead cast characters obviously steven yoon mm-hmm. was on the walking dead as glenn and then you have um what is his name you have Ross Marquand, who was on The Walking Dead as well, Lauren Cohen, Chad Coleman. There's just so many people who came in to do this from mm-hmm. The Walking Dead. And I thought that was very, very fun. And there's also some, you know, big, big name characters who are also involved in this. And you have uh, Zachary Quinto, who I believe was a born to play a robot. His voice is very robotic <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, that was great. That particular, um, there's there's a storyline there that I know comes from the comics, but I didn't particularly um, enjoy. Yeah. Um, and this is the thing, like, a, a lot of this stuff is really boundary pushing. You know, they're really trying to push your buttons. Um, and it's pretty obvious to me that they're trying to get you to cringe at certain times or to there's some stuff where you're going to yell at the TV. Well, that was really effed up, you know, like right. uh, that there is a whole there's there's a lot of that. There's a lot. Now, some people really love that. Um, for me, it, it was t- overstimulating. Like, I think it was just too much. Um, and, and I like stuff that's sometimes maybe a little bit more slow burn with those big moments interplaced. And this one had just a lot of them almost, there's like almost one or more every episode. 
Um, and I got to the point where I was almost anxietal. Like I kept saying, oh my God, is the mom still alive? Is the mom still alive? Is the mom still alive? Because like, I was just so worried for her through the whole thing. Um, you know, because the basic premise, oh God, I don't, I can't, I don't know what to say without giving anything away, but I know it's, it's hard because there's, there's a character who is so powerful that feels impossible to hurt this person and thus, you know, you sort of imagine the the parallel of, let's say, Superman was evil. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Like, what, what do you even do? Like, wh- how do you, st- how do you, can you even stop Superman? Right. And and can this person literally just go and do whatever they want? Maybe, a, like, you could also make a comparison to the boys, you know. Um, there was a Reddit thread recently that said, um, there was a question for the, the the forum that said, what fictional character are you glad doesn't exist? And the top comment was Homelander. And oh, all I yeah. think was, oh my God, can you imagine if Homelander was a real person? Oh, I would man. I would hide under a bed and never leave. Like Exactly. And this this show kind of has the same vibe. Is like, imagine if Homelander was a real person off the rails and nobody could control him. What what happens? And you 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 clearly see what happens. <laughs> and um and to me, it was just overstimulating and very ultraviolent. I was not, I just had, I had trouble overcoming that. I wanted a little bit more um, flow and downtime. And, but those of you out there who are like, man, this sounds like my jam. I guarantee you, you will love it because if that's your jam, it does that very well. That high octane, ultraviolent, tons of reveals, tons of button pushing, all of that stuff happens constantly and, you know, pretty adeptly. And, you know, it has been renewed for seasons two and three. Yes, already. So something is going right. Right. So with the streaming services, you never know what their ratings are. They're not really something that gets placed out there. But with the ultraviolence that was in it, I would like to say that was the day that I was recovering from my second shot of the vaccination. Oh, boy. So I was watching. The, it kept me awake, um, the ultraviolence of it all. And it yeah. almost reminded me of Kill Bill Volume 1 when they go back and they show the origins of Oren Ishii. And it's just in anime. And it is so violent that I don't think they could have done it in real life, like with yeah, real actors. The There's yeah. a bunch of stuff that happens in this that is so over the top violent that's, that that's yeah. If they had done it in live action, I mean, if it would have been really difficult. I mean, it would have been doable. I mean, everything's doable at this point, but you know, it's probably easier to do it animated because there's just so much of it um, all the time, basically. Right. Anyway, I, I mean, I liked it. As a comparison, I watched it after Jupiter's Legacy, and so, I did it before. So okay, so there, so that was the the thing to me is it it kept me awake because the second shot wanted me to go to sleep. It kept me awake. It kept me engaged. Uh, there are I was reading. There's over 144 issues of this comic book, so there's a lot to do with it. Yeah, but. One thing I did read um, for people who are fans of the comic is they thought it moved too fast. Oh, that's interesting because I thought the same thing. So yeah, um. and I guess the some of the reveals, it took you know a couple of years for those reveals to happen. Huh. Interesting. So, 
you know, but then again, everyone's kind of like, well, we'll leave it to the experts. You know, obviously, Robert Kirkman is adapting it himself. So if he thinks that that, this is great and, you know, he really should have sped up the timeline. okay. But I did hear that, um, you know, and I, I, I read that on like a Reddit thread. I could be wrong. Um, but I did read it somewhere saying that it was too fast, maybe. Um, so there's a real question of where the show is going to go mm-hmm. now that those reveals have been made. I kind of have to say I thought the same thing. When I saw the last episode, I was like, well, where do you go from here? I mean, mm-hmm. I had an idea, um, but I don't know. I, I won't say my idea. Maybe when season two comes out, I can see if my idea was right. I'll tell you in the I'll tell you offline. And, OK, and then then I can say my favorite three words. I was right. Later. I was right. And yeah. And but, um, yeah, I mean. I I enjoyed it for what it was, knowing mm-hmm. nothing else about it. I enjoyed the fast pace. I thought the the animation was great. It reminded me of something like almost like Japanese. Um, it's walking that fine line. It's definitely more American than Japanese animation. I will say as someone who's seen a fair amount of Japanese animation, it doesn't have that. It's, it's maybe like 30%. (laughs) It's it's got more of an, I thought it had more of an American feel than a Japanese one. I can see why you would say that there's definitely some influence perhaps might be the, the good way of putting it. But I feel like the influence was more in the action and violence scene than the character design, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. No, I can see that. But yeah, I mean, I wasn't crazy about it. I I'm going to rely on you. If you want to watch seasons two and three, I might pop in and out. My husband's watching it and he loves it. So that's kind of how I watched it. You know, this first season was, I was kind of popping in and out and I was able to, glean the most most of it but still walk out of the room when the the intestines were flying like yes, <laughs> yeah. kind of able to do that a little bit um but yeah i, I it's think it's not that, for kids not for kids <laughs> even if you see the animation not for kids at all it is no. it is the animated equivalent of the boys um yeah in in how you know the superheroes behave yeah i would agree yeah not for kids all right so We'll maybe give this like, I mean, I, like I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give it a thumbs down because I can recognize that this is well done. It's just what, not for me. You know what I mean? Right, and I don't, right. so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say thumbs down on this. I don't think it was bad. It was definitely well done, well produced, well voice acted, well written. Everything about it was good. It just wasn't for me. So if this is something for you, go for it. Because I think that a lot of people have and will enjoy this a lot. You know, it's just not my thing you know i'm gonna stick to jupiter's legacy that was more my thing but i can also recognize why that wouldn't have been other people's thing you know because it was a a slower more methodical more philosophical kind of thing and i i really liked that other people might not so um we'll go with a thumbs up on this one if it's your thing (laughs) i think that's a very fair analysis of it why thank you yeah all right so shall we uh should we bring the music up and say what we're looking forward to absolutely Okay, clicking. Okay, so um, so we've got um, our three things to look forward to here, and um, the first one is all you. What is Ted Lasso? Oh, so Ted Lasso is a great, great show on Apple TV. It's the only show that, in, I should say, it's the only reason I have Apple TV um, about a American football coach turned European football coach. 
Um, and the second season is coming back in July of this year and very, very excited about it. It's a feel good show, feel good comedy. And um, yeah, it's just really looking forward to it coming back. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Um, second, we want to talk about uh, what we don't forgive HBO for. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, their handling of Mayor of Easttown. Yes. And this is still fresh. This is mm-hmm. still fresh. Um, last night, last last night, which is Sunday, today is Monday when we're recording, was the series finale of Mayor of Easttown. And HBO Max crashed. Yep. And it crashed for a good 30 minutes. Now, HBO Max, get it together. Yeah, okay? and, and I, I had mentioned, too, that we both have a Roku device or TV, and uh, we're trying to watch HBO Max through Roku. And I have so many issues with HBO Max through my Roku device. And I've read online about other people having the same problems, crashing, freezing, um, all kinds of different things. I don't think Mayor of Easttown was necessarily a Roku issue no no because i couldn't get in on um shout out to apple on my phone i couldn't get in on my laptop mm -hmm. and uh for anyone who was on twitter last night there are some real gems of people getting very upset that they couldn't watch mayor of easttown and it's just very frustrating because you have hbo dealing with big series finales like game of thrones where they should have been ready. And from what I've read, Mayor of Easttown, I'm not trying to knock it, but there's only 2 million people that watch it live. Right. So, so, so long story short, we are looking forward to HBO getting it together here. That's let's, right. Let's get it together. No excuses. Let's, exactly. Let's fix this. And uh, last but not least, kind of a weird one, but... um. Both Alin and I are sort of on the cu- well. I am I'm now officially fully vaccinated. Alin is on the cusp of being fully vaccinated, and um, I went out to have lunch at a restaurant, like actually at the restaurant for the first time in like a year and a half, and it was the most surreal experience like ever. So as our last looking forward, I'm looking forward to doing things and hugging people and seeing people that I haven't seen in a very, very long time. And I know you are too, right? We are. We're going to have like the most cinematic hug, like when we see each other, because it's been over a year. No, almost two years. It'll be two years in June since we saw each other. Yep. And it's June tomorrow. So yeah. So So, yes, looking forward to hugging people and doing things. And um, on that note, Please remember to like, follow, and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Pods, whatever it is that you're listening to us on. And also, please find us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Search for 3Speech and look for the Blue Bears. And thank you again for listening to us on this lovely episode 8. Please take care. Take care, everybody.